to our time together. Welcome, Cody, please, to uh, take a seat. You are welcome to stand for the duration of uh, the message that we're sharing if you want to, but it will probably be more pleasant for you if you're sat down. Um, but it would definitely be more pleasant for me if you're not talking. Um, so. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. It is uh, great to be with you again. Um, I, uh, I'm just one of the things that Terry Virgo uh, is going to talk about um, in the sermon that we will listen to tomorrow is, is about the songs that we sing. And in fact, I'll pick it up very briefly today. Um, we've just, I've just loved the times of worship that we've had recently. It's been great, and I think that part of the reason that we've had such great times of worship is because we've sang some great songs. We've sung songs about God and about how good he is and about what he's done. And as we've done that, we've had great times. It's been lovely. So thank you very much uh, to all of the worship team for the way that you serve us and lead us. Really appreciate it. We are blessed uh, because of what you're doing. So today we continue our series going through the book of Judges. We're not looking at every judge and we're not looking at every verse. Uh, and today I'm going to be talking to you about Deborah and Barak. And uh, Deborah and Barak's story is fascinating. It's told twice. And I'm not going to read either story in its entirety. It's told once in chapter 4 as like a sort of factual, historic account. And then it's told again in chapter 5 in the form of a song or a poem. And there are differences between the factual account and the poem. And I'm not bothered by that. Because not only might you expect different genres of writing to uh, report the same story in different ways, I also think that when you look at the differences and you wonder why those differences are there, I think we get a bit of an insight into how people whose lives are oriented towards God and who are walking in step with his spirit will live. And so once again, at the outset of a story of another judge, we have that refrain, once again, the people of Israel have done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Um, if, uh, if you remained undecided on whether Ehud was a, a villain or a hero last week, it turns out that the people followed God until he died. Um, so he did have uh, a pretty good impact on them in the end. Um, anyway... The story of Deborah and Barak is slightly unique as well in the, in the accounts of the different judges because for the only time, God doesn't seem to raise someone up in the same way that God seems to raise someone up in the other stories. In the story of Deborah and Barak, we are introduced to someone who was already walking in God's ways. And I'm going to be chopping in and out of, I apologise, I'm not reading my Bible in front of me, I've written it down in my sermon notes here, but I'm chopping in and out of, of some of the story. We're introduced to Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth. She's the only female judge that we encounter in the book of Judges. And we're introduced to her as someone who would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came to her for judgment. And then we're introduced to the other main character in today's story, Barak. And we read that she sent 
and summoned for Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hands. So, uh, so Jabin is the uh, Canaanite king who is now oppressing the people of Israel in the promised land that they should have taken but failed to and now they're experiencing difficulties uh, to say the least because they didn't and Sisera is the commander of Jabin's army. And so we've met today's two main characters um, and it's kind of, we, we might we can read this and we can wonder, well, who is the judge in this story? Who is the deliverer? Um, and the, the truth is that it's both. But it was Deborah who was already walking in the ways of God and who the people were coming to for uh, counsel. But it was Barak who led the army to victory, even though it was the Lord who routed Sisera before his army. Deborah isn't mentioned again in the Bible, not once. Barak is. Barak is listed in the uh, list of the heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11. Deborah is not there. Deborah is the far more impressive person in this story. She's already walking in God's ways. She is sensitive to his spirit. She is bold to act on what she hears from God. She doesn't hesitate at all. Barak, not so much. Barak is, is not uh, as impressive as Deborah by any means. When Deborah calls Barak, he says this. He says, if you will go with me, Deborah, I will go. But if you won't go with me, Deborah, I will not go. And if this were the only time that Barak was so hesitant, you might want to give him the benefit of the doubt here. You might think that perhaps Barak just recognises in this prophetess, she carries with her the presence of God, and so I want her to come with me, because then it's like having God with us in the army. But it isn't the only time that Barak seems slow. And later in the story, after Barak has done what uh, he was told to do. And what I get the feeling he already knew. I get the feeling that God had already spoken that to him and Deborah had to come and remind him, hey, God's already said this. You need to go and do it. And, and Barak did what Deborah said and he gathered those 10,000 men and they went to that place that she told him to go to. And then we read in verse 14, Deborah having to say this to Barak again, up! This is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands does not the Lord go before you it's like come on Barak get a move on, get on with it God has spoken, he's going to do it you need to get on with it now Barak, get off your bum Barak and again at her prompting Barak moves and the army fight Sisera and his 900 chariots and his troops you know, 900 chariots plus troops against 10,000 men, that is not great odds. But God 
does a wonderful thing. God brings a storm which would cause the chariot's wheels to get waterlogged in the mud and this army are routed before them. And Sisera, sorry, Barak had pursued what was left of the army to Hagasheth Hagoyim. Hagasheth Hagoyim, that well-known place. He had pursued them to there, and, um, but Sisera wasn't there. Sisera had got off of his chariot and he had run away and he had come across the tents of Heba the Kenite. And Heba the Kenite uh, had broken away from the Kenites who were allies of uh, the Canaanites, of Jabin. Um, And so Sisera thought that he was going to be safe with Heba the Kenites. And Heba's wife, Jael, said come in come into come into my tent you know i'll look after you and sisera asks her for water and she gives him milk and you think maybe this this she's this is there's something a bit fishy here and then she tells him to rest and he goes to sleep and she picks up a tent peg and she picks up a hammer and she drives the tent peg through sisera's skull pinning him to the ground and killing him And that is the story of Deborah and Barak <laughs> and Jael and Sisera. Presumably the Canaanite king Jabin was an inconsequential man once Sisera and his 900 chariots were out of the way because we don't really bothered with him again. I want to tell you three things that I've loved about Deborah and Barak's story as I have uh, prepared this week, as I've read it and uh, prayed. And, um, and after I've told you the three reasons that I love Deborah and Barak's story, I want to just leave you with a couple of questions for us to consider. One reason I love their story is because I think that in it, we see someone in Deborah who models... Uh, the example of Christ's humility. In Philippians 2, Paul writes this. He says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, do we share those things together? We do, don't we? We share comfort from his love. We share of the one spirit. We are one body. Paul says this to the church in Philippi and God, I think, says this to us today. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. At the beginning of chapter 5, I actually have always considered this Deborah's song. Turns out, when you read chapter 5, Deborah and Barak sang together. Deborah and Barak singing joyfully together. There is no mention in the song that Deborah and Barak sing joyfully together of Barak's hesitancy, of the fact that he 
uh, wasn't acting on something that I think God had already said to him. There's no mention of the fact that, um, you know, that the, that the glory wasn't his. It was going to go to a woman, to JL, who would kill Sisera. Barak comes off a lot better in the song than he comes off in the factual account in chapter 4. And I think it speaks of Deborah's heart. I think it speaks of Deborah living out that example of Christ's humility, that she, uh, she counted Barak as, as, as more important than her. She was thinking of the needs of the people of Israel rather than of her own. And I love this first line in the song of Deborah and Barak, that the leaders took the lead in Israel and that the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. You know, the humility it would take to sing that line and and actually really mean it means I'm going to let Barak off of the fact that he was so slow, so reluctant, you know, again and again. I'm going to let him off. God did a wonderful thing. God raised up an imperfect leader in Barak. God won a great victory. Oh, that the leaders lead and that the people follow willingly. Bless the Lord. Do you know, sadly, I think songs like that aren't sung as often these days. We're very quick to point out one another's faults, aren't we? And we dishonour one another. And we talk about cultures of honour, but I wonder if we're not just protecting each other's pride. For me, it it was an unspoken reason behind why we chose to speak, uh, to teach through 1 Corinthians 13, to remember what love really looks like. to to consider what it means to live together well, counting others as more valuable than each other, looking to the needs of others before our own. I think Deborah lived like that. And I think you and me, when we know it, when we see it, don't we? When we see someone who you know that their service is completely selfless, you know that they are living... Uh, caring for others we know it when we see it and when we see it we know how beautiful it is don't we it really it it sticks out to us it is counter-cultural these are rare qualities but they're ones that we are all called to embody the second reason that I'm going to share with you today that I love Deborah and Barak's story is because I believe that in Deborah and Barak's story, we see the body at work. I don't think that we see an underappreciation of women in the fact that Deborah is not mentioned again, but Barak is. I think that we see that each person in each story plays the specific role that God has called and chosen them and prepared them to play. For just as in one, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less 
a part of the body. If the whole body were an, were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I think we see that at work in Deborah and Barak's story, and I think that is the goal that we are working towards. You know, who is greater, who is more important, who is more significant? They don't seem to be questions that really matter very much to Deborah. Deborah was a prophet. Barak was God's chosen leader. Deborah didn't prophesy from her own mind, but God chose her to be a prophet who he would speak to. Barak didn't win the battle because of his own strength, in fact quite the opposite. But God chose him as the commander of the army who God would win a great battle through. So we mustn't feel sad for Deborah. Deborah did not feel sad for herself. Listen to her words in uh, chapter 5. This is in the song that she sang. And she says, In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned. Travellers took to winding paths. Villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose. Until I arose, a mother in Israel. She doesn't sound too bothered by the role she got to play. God chose new leaders when war came to the city gates, but not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 men in Israel. They were so oppressed by the Canaanites, they didn't even have money for a single sword or spear. What were they fighting with when they won this great victory, I wonder? My heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people. Praise the Lord. And then shortly after they sing, Wake up, wake up, Deborah. Wake up, wake up, break out in song. Arise, Barak, take captive your captive son of Abinoam. You know, I don't hear in this song, and I'm sorry that we, I'm not reading it all to you today, um, but they're, they're both long chapters and, and it just it would take too long. I don't hear in those words of Deborah a woman who feels overlooked. I, I, I hear someone who loves what God has done and loves the part that she has got to play in it. I, love, I think that she loves the part that other people have played as well. As I say, I think she has covered Barak. She has, she has honoured him by not pointing out his failures, and yet she's recognised, God raised up me for this, God raised up Barak for that, and even though he wasn't perfect, God used us to do this. The third reason I love this story, and I am coming to an end relatively shortly, um, is that I love that this story of Deborah and Barak, with our factual account, followed by a song reminds us that a right response to God is to worship him. A right response to God is to worship him. We don't just give mental assent to the teachings of Christianity, do we? We love him. He has changed us, hasn't he? 
You know, we once were not a people, now we have been made the people of God. Once we had not received mercy, now we have received mercy. God has drawn us close, and now we can say that we are children of God, and we rejoice. And our hearts are different, aren't they? We long for different things, where once the song of our hearts was for the same things that the world's hearts go after, of significance, of material wealth, of, you know, of, of success in careers and at home. Now our deepest longing is, is not that we don't want those things. Our deepest longing is, God, I just want to worship you. My heart's desire now is that in everything I do, in thought and word and deed, I want to praise you. I want to worship you. Whether we feel it or not, he has changed us. Judges 4 and 5 remind us that great songs, as I say, linking to Terry tomorrow, linking to what I've said at the past, great songs come from great victories. Great songs come from great victories. I don't know about you, but I long for more. We've just prayed for healing for Nathan. I I believe with no doubt that God heals today. There is no doubt in my mind that God does not heal today. God heals today, and yet I don't see him healing all the time, and I long to see more. God, I want more of you. God, I want more of your presence in our fellowship. God, I want more of your power breaking through in the lives of our families and friends. God, I want more of you. And I see that same longing around me so often. And I think there are three typical responses to this longing. Some people grumble. They want more and they blame someone else. (laughs) We're not seeing it because of this. And they grumble. Some people leave. They think the grass will be greener somewhere else. And they leave. But some people, and I think these people embody uh, what Deborah lived out and what I think Christ calls us to some people commit devote they count others as more valuable than them they look to the needs of others before they look to the needs of themselves they work to see the church that they're in become the church that they long to be a part of you know that, you know, the, the, the sort of famous popular phrase, isn't it? Be the change you want to see. That's what Deborah did. Deborah didn't get, perhaps, the leader she wanted. She got Barak. She got a guy who was slow to work, slow to do anything. But that was the guy that God gave her. And she rejoiced that together they got to play the parts that God called them to play. And to use the imagery from today's passage, when I find myself in that place of longing, I ask myself two questions. I wouldn't normally phrase these words like this, but because of the, uh, the, the passage that we're looking at, this is how I would phrase the questions that I ask myself. Am I fighting the right battles? And whose song am I singing? Am I fighting the right battles and whose song am I singing? And I want to 
encourage you to ask yourself those questions from time to time. Deborah could have fought Barak. You useless man, she might have said. You useless man, she may have said. But instead, she fought for him. She didn't fight him, she fought for him. She fought to see him uh, step into everything that God had called him to do. She recognised that it was God's plan that needed to be worked out. We can fight the wrong battles. We can fight the battles that the world around us fights. And we find when we do that like the people of Israel, when they compromised in Canaan, they became like them. We find that we become like the world too. But God knows what we need. And he calls us to trust him, doesn't he? You know, he, he, he says to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And he promises us that when we do that, that he will add all those other things to us. So we're wasting our time fighting for the things that the world would fight for. God knows what we need. We can trust him. And he tells us that when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, that we will have everything we need. And so that's what we fight for. That's the good fight, isn't it? That we would see his kingdom and his righteousness in, in our lives individually, in us as a community of faith. And so my second question then, whose song am I singing? And I'm, I'm nearly finished, band, if you, if you want to... No, in fact, no, let me finish first. You want to hear this too. <laughs> my second question is this. <laughs> whose song am I singing? Am I singing my own song? Am I singing to the things that I want to see and the things that I want to be true? Or am I singing God's song? Am I singing to him? Am I singing about his love and his mercy and the fact that he has saved me? Because here's the thing. I think we can either, as we do this, either have a virtuous circle or we can have a vicious circle. The songs that we sing will impact the battles that we fight. The battles that we fight will impact the songs that we sing, and so on and so on. And if we're singing the wrong songs and fighting the wrong battles, we find ourselves lost and pointing fingers. If we are singing the right songs and fighting the right battles, we find that we experience more and more of the peace and joy of the Holy Spirit as we keep in step with him and we live the life that he is calling us to lead. So I would like to pray and then we will sing what I'm sure are great songs together. We're going to sing some really good songs together. No pressure. We're going to sing some really good songs together. I'm sure they are. And, and it's going to position us to fight the right battles this week. That as we sing the songs that we're about to, that we will go into our week remembering what Jesus has done, remembering what he has called us to, and that we will fight in the right spirit. We will fight like Deborah fought, not against Barak, but for him, to see God's kingdom come and his will be done. So let me pray, and then let us worship.
Father, we thank you that you have called and chosen each and every one of us. That you have planned that your kingdom will advance through us. And so for every man, woman and child sitting in this room today, I say to you, God has chosen you. God has planned that through you and in you, his kingdom will advance. He is making you more Christ-like. He is giving you and he has given others as gifts to the church to build us up and to bless us so that we can attain the fullness of Christ, maturity and unity. Holy Spirit, would you come to us this morning? I pray, would you give us joy as we sing right now? And Lord, as we worship you, Lord, I pray that you would focus our attention on the battles that you would call us to fight this week. Not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers of this world. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you've chosen us. We thank you that you are at work in us. Have your way in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship.